Hello everyone. I want to show you a few pictures of some friends of mine from the Memorial Road Church where I served for many years. This is Greg and Valerie Waddell and their daughter Jessie at the base camp on Mount Everest, 17,598 feet. Pikes Peak, the highest mountain in the 48 continuous state, it's just 14,115 feet. Just to reach base camp at Mount Everest, it takes nine days with two complete rest days in route. To reach the peak, 29,028 feet, would take a good climber around two months. I show you these pictures to illustrate the difficult task that is before us today. While we can sit here and admire Mount Everest's beauty and grandeur, we also realize that 99% of us will never be able to accomplish the task of reaching the peak. Maybe base camp, but not the peak. And even for base camp, even that would be out of question for probably 85% of us, right? Today we tackle the topic of retaliation. And for most of us, this topic is like viewing Mount Everest. We look at the topic of retaliation and knowing how Jesus desires us to behave, and we think it can't be done. There's no way. It's impossible. I can't do it. I can't do it. I won't do it. If someone hurts me, it angers me, it frustrates me. Therefore, I'm going to respond in kind, and I'm going to hold a grudge. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is, this is Jesus' new ethic for his kingdom. The words we have been covering over the past few months are challenging and demanding, a rethinking of one's mind and heart and soul. And are these not truth? And through this whole series, there's been this tug upon my heart. Have you felt it? I mean, it's the Holy Spirit working on us. And what we're feeling is growth, spiritual growth, and it hurts. There's often pain when God surgically removes the darkness from our heart. And many of us, we don't want to be cut on or dug into, do we? We would rather continue in this state of illness than go under the knife of God's refining fire. Brothers and sisters, this is not about Jesus just desiring us to modify our behaviors. This is about our Savior who is intently interest, interested in the deep issues of my heart and my mind and my habits. Jesus is asking us to create new ways in his kingdom to express ourselves when wronged or hurt by another. Why? Because these topics we're dealing with over the next two weeks are often the ways in which we corrode our relationships with God and with others. Now, according to Jesus, loving, healthy relationships with others are paramount in this new kingdom. Paramount. In other words, how we treat one another, no matter who they are, ought to be a defining characteristic of a Jesus follower. How we treat each other defines us in the world. I know I do this almost every week, but I keep going back to the kingdom ethic, which is what? Which is what? It's love. Love for God and love for others. And the reason I keep going back to this is because Jesus keeps going back to it. And, and now we come to the subject of retaliation, which for many of us 
is like trying to climb Mount Everest. Not only is it difficult, but for most of us, we've fallen off the mountain, haven't we? And why do we keep falling off the mountain? Because retaliation goes right to the heart of our sinful nature. And the first inclination of our heart when hurt or wounded by another is to return to others what we have received from them. Right? All right, let, let, me, let me just prove it to you. I need you to finish this statement, okay? I don't get mad. I get even. That's right. That's right. When did retaliation begin in our lives? Well, for me, it began around the age of two when my twin brother would take away the toys I was playing with, and I get mad. And if he take my toy, I'm going to respond with anger and retaliation. <laughs> I think this is why the age of two is often described as the terrible twos. Because when you take my toy, I take yours. When you hurt me, I hurt you. When you hit me, I hit you. And I'm afraid many of us have not moved past our terrible twos. And here's the reason. I think many of us struggle with, with retaliation. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. See, the adults in Jesus' day pointed back to a scripture and for justification for their revenge. And yet the scripture they referred to was never meant to be used as a personal vendetta against another. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's Matthew 5, verse 38. How many of us have taken the time to read the context in which this law was, was given by God? I mean, turn with me, if you would, Leviticus chapter 24, verse 10. We're going to read through verse 23. It's a fascinating story. I would venture, though, that many of us have never even heard of it. Why? Because it's in Leviticus I mean, after the sexual purity laws, the laws for cleaning a house, and the laws for bodily discharge, we stop right there, and then we move quickly to numbers. And then we get lightheaded because of all the numbering, and then we move to Deuteronomy, don't we? So I, so listen to this story. It's interesting. Here we go. Now, an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man, and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shilameth, and the daughter of Debri, of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. So this son, born to an Egyptian father and an Israelite mother, their family were sojourners. Notice that the father and the son are not named. They lived as Egyptians. The father and son were spared by an Israelite wife on the night of Passover. All sojourners were required to live on the outskirts of the camp and live by the same rules as any of the Israelites. But the Egyptian son wanders into the Israelite camp. And what do you think happens? What do you think happens? A fight breaks out and the son blasphemes, curses the name of God, Yahweh. Those who witness the infraction place the son in custody. Now this is a national infraction. The law, you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain, is found in Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. But those accusing him of blasphemy are asking Moses what type of punishment ought to be enforced in this case. What does the Lord will not hold him guiltless mean? 
Suddenly this had become a judicial matter for a new nation. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. Those who heard the words he spoke must come forward and personally lay their hands on the perpetrator. They must face the individual, lay their hands on his head and as a confirmation of his guilt. And when they do so, they know, they know that this young man will die. So they better be sure they heard correctly what he spoke because his punishment is stoning. But God wants everybody to know that one's punishment must fit the crime. See, this new nation, this infant stage it was in, is figuring out from God how to punish fairly. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death, and whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given, a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. Whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the one who had cursed and stoned him with stones. Thus the people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. Wow. The original intent of this law is to restrict unlimited revenge and punishment, something the Israelites, the Egyptians, did not do in their punishment of the Israelites while they were enslaved. This law, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was never, it was never intended to be used as a reaction for someone who wronged you or harmed you. But that's exactly how it was translated in Jesus' day, and it's exactly how we often live it out in our lives as well. If you hurt me, I will hurt you. If you say something malicious about me, I will do the same to you. I have the right to return to you the same hurt you placed upon me. And all this does is escalate retribution, does it not? See, we live in a day where the vigilante is glorified. This sort of thing feeds our nature. It feeds the flesh within us. When we choose retaliation, we don't leave God any room to work on or to bring pressure on the other person who did you wrong. We take matters into our own hands. And Jesus comes along and says, this is not what my father intended from the very beginning. This is not what he had in mind. Jesus says, there is a better way. Jesus puts forth the law as God intended it from the beginning, the law of non-retaliation. God's original law was meant to restrict unlimited revenge. Listen to his words. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two 
miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. That's Matthew 5, 39-42. Now right up front, let me clarify. This is not a passage on being a pacifist or being a doormat to others. To respond to people in a non-retaliatory way takes strength beyond what most of us have, does it not? The reason it's so difficult for us to climb up to the mountain of God and join our Father and His Son, Jesus, who did not return evil for evil, by the way. That's what 1 Peter 2, verse 23 says. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. See, the reason it's so difficult is because Jesus is asking you. He's asking me. He's asking us to voluntarily give up our rights when one does us wrong. This is about finding a place deep inside us at the time of the infraction and to go to a place of compassion for that individual who has harmed us or wronged us in some manner in in that very moment. And this goes right back to the kingdom ethic of love. It's all about love. Let's talk about our rights for a few minutes. We are people who love our rights, do we not? How do I practice my rights? How do I secure my rights? How do I claim my rights? How do I protect my rights? And Jesus' teaching reveals a shocking truth. And I need you to brace yourself. No, no, really, I need you to brace yourself. Are you ready? Christians have no rights. We do not have the right to retaliate. We do not have the right to things. We do not have the right to our own time. We do not have the right to money. We have no rights. Are you shocked? Rather, listen, 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 listen to me carefully. All of our relationships, all of our time, all of our possessions are held in trust by the Lord. In other words, everything I possess has been loaned to me. My time, my things, my money, my family, my heritage, my my citizenship, all are loaned to me by my heavenly Father. Now, which means, which means, the obedient thing to do with the relationship and the things that God has loaned them to me is to steward them as Jesus did. These relationships and possessions are loaned to us to be used for the glory of God. They are loaned to us to help others. We must ask ourselves this question. What is Jesus doing in this passage of Scripture on the Sermon on the Mount? How are we to think differently? How... How are we to respond differently? Jesus takes us through a series of four stories describing how we can move away from retaliatory response by giving up that which we deem so precious to respond from a place of strength. And I can tell you, I can tell you, this is not easy. It's not easy. Now, it becomes easier when one's frame of mind is in a different place to begin with. But even then, even then, It's not easy. See, in the first story, Jesus begins by asking us to give up our human right of dignity. 
But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Chapter 5, verse 39. Have you ever been mocked? Have you ever felt like you have been treated far less than a human should? Has your honor ever been attacked? Have you felt that type of shame placed on you by another? The word for slapping in this context is more like a heavy blow to the jaw. This type of action was demeaning to the receiver. And our Savior is imploring us to find a place of great strength and not to retaliate. See, Jesus understands exactly what it feels like. He knows. And he lived out each of these four stories we're going to be covering. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. That's what 1 Peter 3 verse 9 says. See, if I retaliate, I'm just like the individual who has wronged me. Therefore, I've been conquered by my fleshly nature. But James, James, he was Jesus. He was perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. I know, I know. None of us are Jesus. But how easy is it to respond in kind? How easy? It's extremely easy, is it not? But what if, what if, what if you had the strength, fortitude, and compassion to find a place deep within your heart to respond from a totally different perspective? So what do I do if someone slaps me? Friend, it, it seems to me that you're having a very difficult day. I, I don't know what's going on, but if you need to get this out of your system, I'll, I'll let you have my other cheek. Could we do that? Could we give up our right, even if we felt our honor had been attacked? And this is the new kingdom principle Jesus is imploring. We are to control our attitude regardless of the environment. That's the principle. Control one's attitude regardless of the environment. All right, here's the second story. Jesus asked us to give up our rights of justice. And if anyone would sue you or take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. That's Matthew 5, verse 40. So an individual is unjustly taking you to court to obtain what you have. This was common in Jesus' day. The rich would take those who were not wealthy to court. The greedy, unjust individual wants what is rightly yours. What do you do? He wants your tunic. Why the tunic? <laughs> because you don't have anything else except the clothes on your back. Now, this tunic in Jesus' day, he's speaking about it. It's like an undergarment. It had short sleeves and it reached around to the knees. And that outer garment... The robe was a covering. It was a blanket to be used at night. So this greedy, unjust man is demanding your tunic. What are you going to do? You want justice, do you not? But what if? What if you had the strength, fortitude, and compassion to find a place deep within your heart to respond from a totally different perspective? What I own has been given to me by God. What is mine is His. Why don't you take my robe as well? I'm going to leave justice in the hands of my God. And I trust He will take care of me. <laughs> but that's so unfair. 
This guy's a reprobate. This is wrong. We need justice here. Here's a scripture to think about based on the words even Jesus says. All right, listen to this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It's Romans 12, verses 17 through 19. Could we do that? Could we give up our right, even if we felt justice had been denied. And this is a new kingdom principle Jesus is imploring. Jesus is asking his followers to concede to a higher degree of justice. Here's a principle, concede to a higher degree of justice. I will put my hope and my trust in the hands of God in whom I believe will take care of this in the way he deems fit. I can let it go. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Luke 6, verse 37. Okay, my third story. Jesus is asking us to give up our right to liberty. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Verse 41. It was God's original intent that human beings were created equal and should live in freedom. Slavery and bondage, as we know, are products of the fallen man. In this passage, Jesus is referring to a law which said a Roman soldier could force a civilian to carry his backpack for one Roman mile. So, so just think about this. On a Sabbath day, you and your wife and three children are out by the sea enjoying a picnic lunch. And a couple of Roman soldiers approach you and one throws his backpack at your feet and demands you carry his backpack for him. Huh. This is your day off. This is your Sabbath. It's a day of rest. It's a day of worship. You were with your family. This would take a good 20, 30 minutes, maybe even longer. You are seething. There is no recourse for you. He is the one with the sword strapped around his way. So angrily, you pick up your pack and you follow the soldier. Your anger builds and builds with each step you take, does it not? But what if? What if, what if you had the strength, fortitude, and compassion to find a place deep within your heart to respond from a totally different perspective? See, during the required mile, you're making small talk with the soldier. And when the distance has been met, you continue walking. The Roman soldier looks at you and he's a little confused. Hey, how about I take your pack another mile? If you need me, I'll, I'll take it to your doorstep. See, the Jewish man had just listened to a story from a rabbi about a Samaritan who had gone the extra mile for one who was in need and was also his enemy. Can we do that? Could we give up our right even if we felt our liberty had been taken away? And this is a new kingdom principle Jesus is imploring. Jesus is asking his followers to surrender and willingly let go of one's liberty. That's the principle, surrender and willingly let go of one's liberty. And now we come to the last story, giving up one's right to property. Give to the one who begs from you. 
and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Possessiveness is another characteristic of our fallen human nature. <laughs> it is. We don't like to give up, even temporarily, that which belongs to us. You remember the story I gave some time ago when I saw my Hispanic neighbor building a shed in his backyard and he was standing on the top of his six-foot ladder, stretched out, attaching the trim. I yelled at him and told him I had a 10-foot extension ladder he could borrow. I mean, I didn't want him to kill himself. That was back in August. He still has my ladder. <laughs> I'm needing my ladder back because I'm working on my own shed right now. Or at least I'd like to be working on my own shed if I had a ladder. I saw my neighbor in the front yard the other day and told him that I was needing my ladder back and asked if he could just, just put it over the fence. That was three weeks ago now. I don't think we're on the same wavelength. See, he doesn't speak English and I don't speak Spanish. But his wife's fluent in English and she was standing right there. So the Jewish law of lending can be summed up in this verse. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give it to him because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all you undertake. Deuteronomy 15.10 A Jew who was charitable would lend with no expectation of seeing it again. This is, this is part of the Eastern culture. They bend over backwards to be hospitable to others. Can I do that? Is this what Jesus expected his followers in this new kingdom ethic? Can I give it the right to my property? Is this new is this a new kingdom principle Jesus is imploring? Oh, oh no, 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 surely not this one. Jesus, this is not what you're teaching, is it? But what if? What if I had the strength, fortitude, and compassion to find a place deep within my heart to respond from a totally different perspective? When I read Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Plains in Luke chapter 6, verse 30, it's a comparison passage to this verse. It touches me. Give to the one who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Wow. Wow. Now, I'm in a real pickle. What's your advice? I mean, if, if, if I'm going to be faithful to the words of Jesus and obey his words, should I demand the ladder back? Should, no, really, should I demand the, my ladder back? I mean, this is real life stuff here, is it not? And then can I let it go and not be upset and still love my neighbor? And this is a new kingdom principle Jesus is imploring. Jesus is asking his followers to lend to those with genuine needs, expecting nothing in return. That's the principle. Lend to those with genuine needs, expecting nothing in return. So, so as we close this lesson today, I have one question. Just one. Does anybody have a ladder I can borrow? I mean, I promise to give it back. <laughs> 
How many of us have fallen off the mountain of God when it comes to retaliation of another? How many of us? But what if, what if you had the strength, the fortitude and the compassion to find a place deep within your heart to respond from a totally different perspective? I am with these words from the writer of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If we want to look like Jesus and act like Jesus, if we want to be his disciples, we need to keep climbing, no matter how difficult it may be. It may seem like it's an impossible task to reach the peak of non-retaliation, but with Jesus, nothing is impossible nothing. May God bless you and may his strength, fortitude, and compassion be upon you. I love you very much.